everyone. Welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. And uh, this week we're going to be talking to someone who has a really interesting job. It's actually my mom. She's a doula. For those of you who don't know what a doula is, she explains it, but a doula is like a birthing coach. And my mom's kind of funny throughout this interview because I think she doesn't want people to know that she's my mom. So when she talks about having kids, she doesn't talk about my brother and I. She doesn't make it personal at all. I noticed that. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) So, But my mom is awesome. She's super inspiring. She became a doula when she was almost 60. She was like 58. That's great. Um, That's really, really, really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I think she'd always been wanting to do it. My grandmother was a nurse and my mom always wanted to go into medicine, but she ended up going to court reporting school. So she was a court reporter for a long time and then she owned a printing company. So she did that for a long time. And I think she always wished she had gone into the medical field. And this episode also, I have to warn you, it gets a little specific in areas it gets a little graphic about some things not too bad it's human biology (laughs) it's body function kind of stuff yeah it's not anything that's I mean if you're a very sensitive listener perhaps beware but it's nothing to really worry about because it's human nature yeah it's not like don't let your kids listen or anything no there's no curse words I'm excited to listen to it yeah meet my mom My name is Ruth, and I'm a doula. What is a doula? Well, first of all, we'll start with the term, what doula means. And doula is a Greek word that means a woman that serves. And so in times past, it was always a woman who helped other women through labor, through their menses, through sick times. And now it's become pretty synonymous with a woman that basically is a coach for women in labor. And so they sit with women in labor, and they are there throughout the the birth and the delivery of the baby. For most women, especially in today's society, women are not experienced with what the birth process is like. And so it's, and there's not a community of women like we used to have in the old days. It used to be that women in a community, like I said before, would help other women during times of need. Uh, And now we're spread out all over the country where moms and sisters and and family members aren't as close. So we have a separation of families. So a doula can fill that gap by being with a woman when she's going through labor. It's really emotionally important for women to know that they have this kind of support. And how is a doula different than a midwife? There's a really great little phrase that can differentiate the two. Midwives catch and doulas coach. Uh, And they don't labor sit so much where doulas labor sit and they're with the woman throughout labor and they're right up there through the actual actual delivery itself. And doulas provide nothing medical where midwives do all kinds of medical things, procedures that doulas are not really supposed to do. Why did you become a doula? About 28 years ago, I had a friend that asked me to videotape the birth of her daughter. It was an amazing situation for me to be involved with, and it was really captivating. And I just, I always loved anything that had to do with birth. And when my grandson was born at home with a midwife in Santa Cruz with Kate Boland, who's a fairly well-known midwife, I had asked her what it would take to become a midwife. And she 
said that maybe in my age, I wouldn't want to consider that. There's a lot of responsibility to being a midwife, but that a doula gives you all the awe-inspiring parts of it that are so meaningful. And she suggested that maybe I do that. So I took a workshop and that's how I got into doula work. What are some things that happen during pregnancy or birth that most people don't know about? It all has to do with the physiology of the woman and how she will birth. And I think the main thing that, that, you know, that I counsel my clients on is, first of all, to be educated, but that birth can, especially for first-time moms, it can be anywhere from, you know, 12 hours to 48 hours. And so being prepared for that length of time and then the woman's body is changing and her hormones, she's got lots of hormones that are raging. And so her personality may be different. She may be nauseous. You know, there's so many things that go on in a pregnancy. And then when you get to labor, of course, it's, you know, the hormones really take off and control that labor. So I always counsel my, my client's partners that she may not want you to touch her. She may hate your guts. She may not want to see you. And it's just a phase that she's going through through labor. So helping them understand what she's going to be going through so that they don't get their feelings hurt. And they know that this is just a part of labor and that she'll be back to herself. What's the difference between giving birth at a hospital or a birthing center with a midwife or at home? I think the biggest difference is that in the hospital, hospital births are very medicalized and the hospitals have certain protocols that they have to follow. And so at home or, or in, even in a birth center, I work in a birth center with a midwife and our clients can eat and drink. And they have the ability to walk around you can be in your living room, you can be in your bedroom, you can be in a tub, you can walk outside, you can be in your garden. You have that wonderful home setting that you're familiar with and you have your family close by, you're not precluded from, from having people at your birth and the warmth and the, the love that surrounds being in your own home. It, it's not as medicalized. When you get into the hospital, you've got monitors, You've got nurses coming in and out. You've got, you know, limitations on what you can eat and drink. Uh, You're in a hospital setting, so sometimes white coat syndrome uh, affects women. What is that? They're a little bit more intimidated by being in a doctor's office or in a hospital. So the main thing in birth is that you want to be open, your body. You want your body open, your mind open. You want to be ready to to handle the, the contractions. And sometimes when you're in the hospital with all the constraints, women aren't as open, they're tense, they're nervous. And the thing about birth is that you you just, you need to be relaxed and you need to let your body take over. You need to surrender to your body. And it's hard to do in a hospital setting. And is there more of a push toward natural childbirth than using drugs, you know, when you do a home birth versus having a birth in a hospital? Well, yes, home birth. Midwives and birth center midwives, they don't offer drugs. So women that choose to have a home birth or to go into a birth center, there are no drugs there for them. And so they go in knowing that a lot of women feel that there's a temptation of drugs in the hospital, but when they have a birth at home, there's no temptation of drugs because they're not there to be offered. So there are holistic things that midwives will choose to do. But other than that, women labor on their own, with their partner, with the doula. Uh, Midwives will sometimes labor sit. They understand labor. 
uh, much more so than OBs. I don't, there's not very many OBs that actually labor sit. So midwives see that. They understand how a woman labors. And that's really important to understand what happens in labor. So I, I wish that med schools would let OBs learn that, what, what, what it's like to, to sit with a woman who labors, because uh, I think it would teach them a lot. <laughs> I think most women probably believe that their OBs do know about labor because they're OBs. So you just think naturally by the title that they know about laboring and having babies. That's kind of scary to think that you're going to a doctor who doesn't actually know, hasn't been taught what you're going through. Why aren't doctors taught how to deal with labor? Well, that's the big question. They're great at surgical, and that's really what they're taught for. And that's a good reason why they're there. And and absolutely, surgical births are sometimes extremely necessary, and we're very lucky that we have them. But for most births, birth does not need to be medicalized. It's a normal physiological occurrence. And we've put so much emphasis on the medical portion of it, especially with OBs. And that's, that's the really sad part that if we could, we are getting midwives into hospitals more, and that has been really helpful to have them in in hospital settings, because they bring that whole other side to labor where it is normal and it is not medicalized and women can do this and we just need to give their bodies time to do it and if if OBs could see that and sit with laboring women and kind of learn from midwives it would really help and I and I think most women really don't know that the OB doesn't have quite the understanding there that we would hope that they would and of course, OBs may beg to differ with that, but there is a different modality between OBs and midwives. Why did this happen? Well, this happened probably in the late 1800s. Back in the day, men did not deliver babies. It was always a woman who was usually a midwife. And for some reason, somehow in the 1800s, men became the people who were delivering babies. They they were the doctors. And midwives kind of got this feeling that they weren't quite, they didn't have the knowledge and they didn't have the education that these guys coming out of med school had. And so it, everything became more medicalized. Women started having births in the hospital instead of at home. And taking the birth out of home and putting it into a hospital was one crucial step to changing birth, and along with offering women drugs to lessen the pain. And so those two things, I mean, and in, 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 in the difference in, you know, everything, again, it wasn't letting women naturally deliver. It was like they had to come in and help in some way, help this laboring woman get through her labor and her delivery. And then, of course, women go ahead and take taking the drugs that were offered to them. I mean, there were stories of women being passed out and forceps deliveries because women, they couldn't push, they couldn't push their baby out, so babies were born with forceps when they were passed out. I've had older women tell me that they were tied down when they had their babies. My babies were born with forceps. Um, Not that forceps are always bad. It's a tradition that we've somewhat moved away from, and there are still times that forceps can be really helpful. Uh, Vacuum extraction can help, but for the most part, just helping a woman with positioning and 
letting her labor and letting her push longer is the most helpful thing that we can we can do for women. So somewhere along the line, it, it changed when it got into the hospital setting with with OBs and in particular, more men at that time delivering babies than women. And and midwives kind of got pushed to the back. I've always understood that the reason that women have babies in hospitals is because that environment is safer for the mother and the baby. Is that true? It's true for high risk. Midwives really can't take high risk women. So the women that they see are extremely low risk. And for a low risk, healthy pregnancy, it, there is absolutely no problem with having a baby at home or in a birth center. But anything beyond that, a hospital setting is much better. The criteria really is the health of the mother, the age of the mother. I mean, we have a lot of older women now giving birth because they're getting their college out of the way and they're getting their career started before they want to start planning their families. So we have something called advanced maternal age, which uh, is 35. So anything above that, of course, women have to be watched much more closely. For those younger women, there's really no reason that they couldn't have their babies at home. But Again, there's an insurance issue where home births and birth center births aren't always covered by insurance. So that means that, you know, the people have to somehow come up with out-of-pocket money to pay for those births. Where in a hospital, if you've got insurance, you're, you're covered. Most, most of your um, pregnancy and delivery and care of the baby is covered. So that's, that's one issue if, if insurance you know, if they could look at this and say, boy, it's less expensive to have a baby in a birth center and it's just as safe for low-risk women, why shouldn't we offer coverage for those? And it is happening a little bit. We are seeing uh, insurance companies coming around. Medi-Cal for California is covering birth center births. Do you think a mom needs drugs? And what are the implications for the mother and baby when they use drugs during labor? You know, I have seen a lot of wonderful, wonderful, unmedicated births. And I've seen the power of women and it is really powerful. And I know that a lot of women can do it. So much depends on their background, their pain threshold, what they feel they can do mentally. We still have a long way to go in getting every woman on board with an unmedicated birth because drugs are out there and we do offer them. Sometimes there's complications from the drugs. Sometimes there's not complications. Sometimes the drugs work. Sometimes an epidural is really helpful for a woman who's been laboring for three or four days. She's exhausted. Her uterus is exhausted. Sometimes getting the rest and just letting her body relax will really help. Every birth is so different. We like to stay away from as much interventions and as possible. I always counsel my clients to let have a goal in mind that we we try to do this with as few interventions as possible. And what you need along the way, if you need something, that's what it's there for. It's, you know, the drugs are fairly safe, but, you know, you, I mean, everything passes the placental boundary. And so what gets to your baby and how drowsy a baby can be, you know, that first golden hour of birth, there's so much to consider, but it, it really is up to the woman and what she believes she is capable of doing. And part of the job of a doula is to help a woman realize what she can do. A woman chooses the birth path that she wants and that best suits her. People don't fit a box. 
And we want to honor that. We don't want to take anything away from them. I've had women that I didn't think were going to be able to make it. I really thought that when I interviewed them that, oh, this woman will probably need to have some help medically. I don't know that she'll be able to do this on her own. I don't think her pain threshold was going to be significant enough for her. And yet she'll surprise me and go the whole way with absolutely nothing and just a beautiful birth outcome. And then I've worked with other clients that I thought, you know, were really going to do it, uh, make it to the end. And, and for whatever reason, they, you know, they just couldn't. I mean, there's so many parts of birth that you just, you can't predict how any birth will take you. Every birth is so different. So your mom was a nurse. And so you grew up with an idea of Western medicine and hospital births being how it should be. Has your opinion changed since you became a doula? Well, my children were born in a hospital and it has changed. It's it's changed because I didn't, I actually didn't know any different at the time. I, I, I didn't know the difference until I became a doula. Have you seen more of an acceptance of natural childbirth in the last eight years? Again, it goes to demographics, and I'll give you an example. In Sacramento, for whatever reason, the demographics here is very conservative compared to like a Santa Cruz or a Los Angeles or even San Francisco. And so doulas and midwives, we haven't quite reached the apex that we're looking for here where we have natural births a little bit more accepted, and not so much natural birth, but unmedicated birth. And we struggle in our community asking, why don't we have more of this? Why can't we have more women having these types of births? And why aren't more women choosing this type of birth? We can't quite figure it out here, except that it could just be the conservatism of our of Sacramento. But Ina Mae Gaskin is much more popular now. She, she is a very well-known midwife. Her writings, her books, her workshops, she is very prominent in pushing for much more natural and unmedicated birth. So I think women, uh, women that want the natural experience and are especially women that are very health conscious, want the best for themselves and their babies and don't want the drugs in their system, that don't want all the cascaded interventions in their birth. In the time that I've been a doula, there's more women using doulas. Now there's doulas in hospitals. Sutter Davis is one of the hospitals that has a volunteer doula program. So we are seeing kind of a resurgence again. We kind of took a deviation from that and we are coming back to it, which is wonderful. And especially with the hospitals coming on board, making sure that women do get the opportunity to breastfeed and to bond with their baby, that they have that golden hour where the baby is with them. Babies stay in the room with moms now. I mean, when my children were born, they were taken off to a nursery. I got to see my baby only when I fed it, and then it was taken back to the nursery. Now we have babies that are with mom, kangaroo's hair, skin to skin. Uh, it's all really, really changing in that respect, and it's, it's good. A couple of the things that we're finding now, the new research that's come out, and a lot of this has come out just in the time that I've been a doula, so in the last seven to eight years, Delayed cord clamping, and that, you know, it used to be that as soon as the baby was born, the doctor would just go ahead and clamp the cord and and cut it. Well, now the research is showing that mammals don't cut their umbilical cord right away. They let their baby stay attached. And so what the research is showing now is that by leaving the cord intact, not clamping and cutting, and let it's called delayed cord clamping, so that you have a time period where the blood, the good oxygenated red blood cells and the stem cells are all going to pass to the baby and not be left behind. So 
the birth center that I work in, we normally give about maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes of time for the cord to stop pulsating. And then the midwife actually milks the cord to milk everything that's left in the cord to the baby before she clamps it. And then usually we have the partner will cut the cord. And then another research that's coming out is microbiome research and and that the bacteria that's in a woman's vagina and rectum is really helpful for the baby. So when a baby is born vaginally and comes through the birth canal, all the good bacteria from the vagina are on the baby. And those are the helpful bacteria. When babies are born cesarean, they don't get the same bacteria as that's coming through the vagina. And they also may be picking up the bacteria that's in the OR, which can be harmful bacteria. So now what they're doing is something called feeding. And that's where I had a client that her husband was an RN. So he took a four by four gauze and he swabbed her vagina and then put that into a sterile cup. And after the baby was born, he swabbed the baby's mouth and the hands and feet of that baby so that the baby could then have the natural good bacteria that was in the mom's vagina now on the baby. So they're just starting to see that in hospitals now. I've, I've been to two births where they actually did that. And actually, most of the hospitals that I've worked in, they don't even know about feeding. So it's just relatively new research that's coming out. And the same thing goes along with the um, with the, the bacteria in the vagina. They're also finding out that the fecal bacteria is just as important. You know, when my babies were born, I had I had an enema in the hospital, and probably 95% of women, maybe more, when they are pushing their baby out, if they're pushing in the right direction, they will also pass stool. And so they are, I think, before they thought that maybe that was not cleanliness. They didn't want that to be a part of the birth, but it is a naturally occurring thing. Um, So now they're finding out that the fecal bacteria actually can be very beneficial for the babies. Do you think it's going to keep on changing? I hope so. If we could get midwives and doulas into hospitals, I think you're going to see more and more of that kind of change. We've got a wonderful start now, and I hope that it just keeps going because Young girls don't know what birth is all about. So we don't grow up knowing and understanding labor and birth. And so when a woman goes into how her baby, she's pretty isolated from all the the culture and all the support that women in our former time used to have. And if we could get back to that where, you know, I mean, breastfeeding, women shouldn't have to hide themselves when they're breastfeeding their babies. They shouldn't have to shy away because they want to um, have their baby in a, you know, in a particular way. We need to support all of this and get back to understanding birth and that women see it and understand it and they don't have a fear of it. If we saw it all from the time that we were little girls and we were there to help women have birth and see it and be a part of it and feel it and see the power of it and, and the beauty of it, we wouldn't have the, the fear. A lot of birth today, a lot of it is fear-based. And women hear the terrible stories that other women tell them about their birth. And there's a lot of birth trauma. If we could get away from that and have birth, again, be less medicalized and more in a natural setting and know that our bodies can do this and believe in ourselves, birth would just, we'd be, we'd be a long way ahead of ourselves. Are there any anecdotes about birth that you would want to share or any other thing that you want to say about being a doula? 
Well, it's probably been one of the most awe-inspiring things that I've done in my life. I, I, I just, I mean, every time I go to a birth and I, I see a woman push her baby out, it's just incredible. But two things. One is that when you see that baby being born and this baby is now earthside and you see it for the first time opening its eyes and taking a breath and recognizing its parents' voices and this baby now has come into the world and that is really one of the most beautiful things I think you can see. And the second thing for me and one of the things I really enjoy about being a doula is how empowered women can be and how powerful it is for a woman to push a baby out and to see what she can do. And it's just, it's incredible. It's so empowering and so inspirational. And we're called birth junkies. Those of us that are in the birth community, it's kind of like an adrenaline that gets going in us. And it's just so captivating. And, you know, it's something that's a part of me now, and I don't think it will ever leave me you know I'd I'd like to say it's not that I help them it's that they've done it themselves and I think for me to see that a woman has done it I may be there to be by her side and a lot of women will say I don't think I could have done this without your help and I always say to them no you could have done this on your own you had the power you had the ability and you did do it I think that is just so inspiring for me and so powerful for me and it, it leaves me with the feeling that there's not anything in this world that you can't do. I am amazed by what people, what women can do. I know. The human body in itself for men and women is amazing, but seriously, giving birth is bonkers. Yeah. You know, my sister is a midwife. She has talked about some of those things, but I haven't gotten as much information from her on the medical side. Well, I'd be interested to hear what she thinks. I had no idea, and I don't think I sounded outraged enough in the interview, but I can't fucking believe that OBs, for the most part, do not have training in labor. Yeah, that should be standard. There should be a labor 101 class. Or we should be told they don't know this. Well, because wouldn't you if you were going to be giving birth want to go have your baby with someone who knows what it's like? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And if we were told this, then you bet that people would start making sure there were classes on labor for OBs. Exactly. And You know, my mom brought up why she thinks maybe people in Sacramento don't go to doulas or don't use midwives or doulas more, saying that maybe it was because Sacramento is conservative, which may be a bit of it. And, you know, but I think a lot of it is just education. People don't know. And people still think that hospitals are the place to go to have babies. Well, that's the common thought, right? I mean, people are becoming more and more aware that oftentimes when you go into a hospital, you come out with a sickness that you didn't have, you caught an infection, we are all learning those things. But for the most part, we think, ooh, hospital is the clean place, it's the safe place, you've got all the staff on hand, and that's where you want to be. But this is a natural part of life. Women have 
babies. That's part of what they do. They've been doing it for a long time. Yes, since they've been women. Since there have been women. I don't, I loved when, um, it reminds me actually, Charlotte talked about that when when Mary Wollstonecraft had her baby at home because pregnancy is not an illness. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, hopefully more people will realize that and things will change. Also, I mean, it's so much cheaper to have a baby at home. It's something like, I don't know, I think it's four to $8,000 or something. I remember looking into it at one point and it was like $4,500 to hire a midwife for your entire pregnancy. And if you look at what that bill is when you have a baby in the hospital, mm-hmm. your insurance covers most of it, but it's way higher. Why wouldn't they want to cover a natural birth? It, there's probably a lot of big pharma stuff. <laughs> probably, I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of drugs cost a lot of money. A lot of drugs cost a lot of money, and that is a big lobbying group, both the insurance companies and the drug companies. The other thing is that there is a high-risk group, that it's better to go Absolutely. to the hospital. Absolutely. And, you know, talking to my sister, she does say, like, there are times where you need to be the boss as a midwife and say, I know you want to stay home. I know you want to stay home and have your baby, but this is better if we go to the hospital. Definitely, neither one of us are saying don't go to the hospital if you're high risk. I mean, that's... that. Yes. You know. If you're high risk, do what's best for your, your baby. And But if you're a healthy childbearing age and you're not seeing any issues, why not do it where you're home? You're a lot less stressed than being in a weird, brightly lit... I mean, let's be honest, the lighting in hospitals is stressful. For some reason, those kinds of lights just it's put horrible. my teeth on edge. Why do they have lights like that? I mean, being in a hospital is horrible. I've spent a lot of time yeah, you have. in a hospital, and it's horrible. I've spent a lot of time there as well, and it sucks. And why go there if you don't need to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to a, a birth before? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Have you? Yeah, I, I actually, my sister um, had a VBAC, which is vaginal after, um, vaginal birth after cesarean. And I'm, I'm my sister's sister. So, you know, you're in labor, you're going to ask for stuff that you don't necessarily need, or you're going to be in these things. So there was a time where they wouldn't let me in the room when she was in the middle of labor and like, uh, uh-uh, I want to go, I want to go get those drugs. I want to go get those drugs as and this is a woman who was studying to be a midwife at the time, just like your mom said, like the drugs, there's a lure of that. And then when they finally got to a point that they felt that they could, she was going to actually deliver they brought me into the room she's like I just want to go to the hospital and I'm like I know honey because they knew if they left me in there like sure let's go let's go get you those drugs let's let's take care of you but she was happy like she's she so she did it at home she did it at home she did it at home in water birth and she had her midwife and her doula there it was cool that's awesome both my stepsister and my sister-in-law delivered both of their kids at home yeah it's it's an amazing thing to witness it's pretty rough, but also really cool watching your little niece's head come out. Aw. Yeah, it was awesome. Shout out to Isla. Shout out to Kai, too, who I also love, who's my nephew, but he wasn't able to be born at home. He's still rad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was super interesting about how the bacteria could be put on the baby, even if there's a C-section. So, you yeah. know, they're not getting the bacteria from the birth canal, but they can still have it swabbed on them and they'll still get the good protection that they're supposed to get. I thought that was very interesting that I never even thought that you'd need those things. Like it just doesn't, 
of course, everything is functioning the way it's supposed to function. Of course, you need that bacteria or there's some benefit for that. There's probably something going to happen. I wouldn't even have thought about that at the C-section. And that's great that they're taking the time to do that and learn that now. Yeah, I had no idea either about the umbilical cord, which Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, the umbilical cord is full of all this healthy blood and oxygen and stem cells. And they used to just cut it and that was it. And then there was a period where that blood was banked. So they would take that blood and put it in a blood bank and it would be saved just in case the child at 16 or something ended up having leukemia, then these stem cells were thought maybe they could help them. But that actually hasn't worked in all cases. Mm. And what they've found is it gives the baby a better start if they just give them all that good blood right up front. Interesting. Yeah, which is really interesting. My mom also wanted to make sure that we talked about this OB whose name is Dr. Stu. Dr. Stu is actually Dr. Stuart Fishbein. He is an uh, OB here in LA. So Dr. Fishbein is one of very few OBs who are actually really open to midwives and have been for a long time and no longer works within a hospital setting, but he works at a birthing center with midwives. Go Dr. Stu. Yeah, and he also has a podcast and uh, a bunch of information. So he's down here in LA. Oh, that's cool. And if any of you listening are fans of this subject and you want to add a new podcast to your to your little list there's one we'll put a link on the website and we'll also put a link to Ina Mae Gaskin's work on the website my mom mentioned her briefly mm-hmm. Ina Mae Gaskin has been an activist for women's reproductive rights and home birthing and midwifery that word is so weird to me um (laughs) a big advocate for midwifery cool and she was recently inducted into the women's hall of fame she's very go ina may um, yeah exactly so thanks for listening everyone i know this episode was a little more women oriented than usual but the subject is fascinating and i hope uh you know my mom's super inspiring to me so i hope she inspired you too i found her very inspirational and so passionate and you could hear how much she loves this job she loves talking about this stuff it's amazing we we will get together for family gatherings and she will go into detail about the latest birth that she was just at i mean she like does not hold back and jason my husband whose dad was a doctor and also talked about gross things (laughs) in detail absolutely loves sitting and hearing her stories i should introduce your mom to my sister and they can go bowling and talk shop (laughs) that would be great i'm sure they would love it i don't know if my mom will bowl but this is a little off topic but do you remember breakfast club line our dad should go bowling Wow. I don't remember that line. And I've seen that movie a billion times. Yeah. So Bender is talking about what a dick his dad is. And then um, Emilio Estevez's character is talking about what a dick his dad is. And then Bender's like, your dad and my dad should go bowling. So that's what I think of. But not that your mom and my sister are dicks. No, they can talk about dicks while they go bowling. We'll also have a link to my mom's website in case anyone uh, listening is in Sacramento and is going to have a baby soon. Yeah, yeah. She'd love to help you out. Go Sacramento. (laughs) And as always, uh, we have our Patreon. We have our GoFundMe. Links are on the website. We have our website. And um, if you could rate us on iTunes, we're still loving getting the feedback. And that would be awesome, helpful. And submit your podcast. We have a submission form on the website, too. All right, everybody. Thanks again. See you next week. Bye. Bye.